That's what it does for you. When the Spirit of the Lord takes over, there's a rest. There's a peace. Something inside just begins to move within you. And you have a comfort. Amen. Praise be to God. Wow. I could just close the Bible there now and say, praise the Lord. That was my service. God bless you. (laughs) Amen. 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 I just have a few announcements to make. I better take, get them out of the way before I forget. This is a, based on the infant age changes in the government regulations and non-attendance of a few. We're changing the regulated booking options to be once every six services or once every two weeks. All are welcome, and we would be happy to see you here. Amen. Amen. So that knocks two off. Praise the Lord. We're chiseling it down. <laughs> Amen. I would also like to wish Brother, Brother Jake Wall, who's not here tonight, I don't think, but Brother Jake, God bless you. I wish you a happy birthday. You'll be 73 years old tomorrow. Amen. I was also fellowshipping with Brother Ed yesterday, and we were going over the list of the different people that had turned 60 this year. And there was quite a list of different ones, high caliber ones that have turned 60 this year, but you know, there's some that are a decade ahead, and that's whether Bob McDermott is turning 70 this year, which makes him three years older than his wife. And you know, far be it from me from answering from saying Sister Elsie's age over the pulpit, but it'd be her birthday as well. So, we want to say a big happy birthday to Sister Elsie McDermott, amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together, amen. We wouldn't want to forget anyone. Everyone is important. Every member of the body, a happy birthday. I remember I called my brother the other day. He's got a birthday coming up, and he's got his son's birthday was a couple weeks ago. So I said, a happy belated birthday and a happy birthday to you coming up. And we don't talk all that often, so I better get it out of the way. But, uh, you know, it's, those are times when we celebrate our, our first birth. But there's a second birth we celebrate more than once a year. Amen. Amen. We ought to celebrate that every day. Say, thank you, Lord. If you, if you have a, a birthday feeling, you feel like, man, nobody remembers my birthday. God remembers your birthday every day. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Your new birthday. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Amen. I would like to speak tonight on a... On the seat at rest. The seat at rest. Sorry, I've got this. Amen. 
man, I have been preaching for a few years now, and I still don't know how to put these microphones on right. So, that's all right. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. How many want the Lord to speak to them tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. We'll approach his throne one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's, it's so good to be in your house again. Lord, as it was prayed, I was thinking Brother Jerry Fox was praying this morning. Lord, we don't realize how much we appreciate it till it's taken away. But Lord, it would ought to make it more real to us how every time we come into your house, we're here for a purpose, Lord. We're not here to just sit down and think about the job tomorrow, but we're here to receive from you. Lord, we want to put every everything else aside. It's been a struggle to get here. Lord, it's been a struggle to be able to find the next time. When can I next be in the house of the Lord? When can I next come and worship? When can I next be here? But Lord, we're here right now. Lord, we don't want to put something off to another time, but we want to hear the voice of God today. Lord, we don't want to harden our hearts, but Lord, we want to say, I believe that, Lord. I believe your word once again. It's real to my heart, Lord. Lord, as Brother Ed was speaking this morning, Lord, how much more is it just real to our hearts today? More than it was yesterday, more than it was a year ago. Many things I've read in the past couple months that, Lord, a year ago, I knew them by heart. I could intellectually understand them, but they just weren't as real as they are today. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that there's a moving, there's a calling up yonder, a calling up higher. Lord, we're here to respond and say, Lord, we want more. We want to come closer. We want to be in your presence, Lord. Father, we just want to give you the first place in this service. Lord, I lay myself aside. May you just come and speak the words of life to your people, to your children. Lord, which is also your bride. Lord, come, sweet spirit. Whisper your secrets in our ears. Father, we love you. With all our hearts, Lord, we love you. You're everything to us, Lord. Without you, many of us, Lord, would just be in broken homes. We'd be in terrible states, Lord. Some dead, some gone on, some drug overdose, some alcoholic, something. But Lord, you called. And you put something in us to respond. Father, you set us free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would come in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, I want to just start in the very first verse and would say, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. I want you to consider for a moment as Brother Branham would take the Hebrew series, and I know you're standing here and on the tape, but or on the recording. The internet, there we go. Streaming, thank you. But uh, I want you just to consider this for a moment here. Here's Paul writing this to the Jews. Okay, he's writing this to people that, were, that are the chosen people of God in the natural. And there are some of them that were in the upper room. There was a church in Jerusalem. There were ones that got a hold of God, but he begins to write to them as one now that sat at the feet of Gamaliel. 
He, he wasn't just, he didn't just learn the law in the desert. He knew the law by heart. If you read, I believe it's in Philippians where he said, you know, if anyone could glory in the flesh, I more. I was of the stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was this, I was that. He says, I, I knew the scripture. So now he begins to write knowing exactly what the scripture says. And he was taught, Brother Branham would say, very well by the Gamaliel. Because it was Gamaliel that told them when they, when they came and they wanted to just kill all the, the believers in Jesus. He said, be careful. If this is of God, then we don't want to fight against it because we'll find ourselves fighting against God. And if it's not of God, it'll come to naught anyways. So in all of that, Paul sat at the feet of this man and he learned the law. He knew exactly what it was. But then he went and sat at the feet of Jesus. He went on the desert for a couple years. He learned the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to him. But now as he began to speak it back to the Hebrews, he began to take it in a way that they would understand. And he began to take it here where he says, listen, but holy brethren, he's not approaching this to heathens. He's not approaching this to Gentiles, Samaritans. Holy brethren, those that know who they are. Then he says this, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. I find that amazing that he calls Jesus the apostle. He wasn't just the 12 who go out and they're the apostles and all these things, but he says Jesus is the apostle because an apostle is one that goes forth and plants seed. And he, so he looks, he says, this is the one that originally planted the seed because this is the one whom we are all following. He's the apostle. He says, who was faithful to him? Who was faithful to him that appointed him? As also Moses was faithful in all his house. Now we know how the Jews approached Moses, that Moses was the man, if I could say it that way. They looked back on the first five books of the Bible and the writing, they called it the Torah, and they would look back on that, and that was law. That was what they looked back to, and that was what they came to Jesus with and said, we got the writings of Moses. He said, if you would have known Moses, you would have known me. Right, so he begins to approach them on this level and say, listen, exactly what the, the apostles sowed the seed and said, if you know Moses, you'll know me. So let's approach it from this angle. Moses was faithful. He was faithful in all of his house. His house was not Moses' house, but the house of the Lord. And he says in the next verse, verse 3, he says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. And he says, for every house is builded by some man. But he that built all things is God. Amen. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony for those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. If we behold fast, the, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the of the hope, firm unto the end. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the word. You may have your seats if you hold your finger there in Hebrews chapter three. But also turn with me over to uh, Numbers, Numbers chapter twelve. I just want to go back to the scripture. Because Paul, when he's writing this, that, 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 that Moses was faithful over his house, it wasn't that he was just making something up. He was actually quoting a scripture. 
And the scripture then was in Numbers chapter 12. I'll say it this way. It wasn't that he was reading it by, or, or saying something just by revelation that nobody didn't already know, but he was actually just quoting what God had already said. And in Numbers chapter uh, um, uh, 12, this is the scripture now. We'll start in verse 1 where it talks about where Miriam and Aaron, they begin to come after Moses. And it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he hath married an Ethiopian woman. And they say, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? And hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. My. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. What a testimony. And also I'll say, what a hard thing to write about yourself. If you're the meekest man on the earth and you're writing the book of Numbers... And God says right in here that you are the meekest man in all the earth. <laughs> Praise be to God. It wasn't Moses testifying of himself, but I can imagine as he's writing these things in his own meekness thinking, Lord, really? I got to write that in here? I got to put that in here for everyone else to read? God says, yes, write that in there. It says, and the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. Come out, ye the, come out you three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. Now I want you just to picture this as I'm sure this is not a, a, a new story to anyone that's present here. But imagine this for a moment. Here they come to Moses in private. They didn't come to him in front of everybody. They came to him and spoke against him in private saying, are you the only one? But God heard it. Because nothing's hid from God. He knows the secrets of the heart. He knew that this was going to happen. And God heard it. And out of that, God called them saying, you three separate yourselves and come to the tabernacle. And there's a great show of the glory of God as the pillar of cloud rises up. Amen. So, well, something's really fixing to happen. And he calls out of the cloud and he said... The Lord stood in the pillar of clouds, stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam. Now he's called all three of them up, but now he says, Aaron and Miriam, you guys come forward a little closer here. I got something to say to you. And now as he calls them, and he says, hear my words, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. But my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, that then, wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I want you just to notice a few things here, because here he begins to call up Aaron and Miriam. Miriam is a prophetess. Miriam is one that has seen visions. She's had dreams. She's prophesied. She's done things. She's a recognized prophetess. In other words, she's, she said a prophecy and it, was, it came to pass. She was recognized by the children of Israel to be a prophetess. And God begins to speak to them and to begins to say that, listen, I, 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 if there be a prophet among you, Miriam, you should know this. I'll speak to you in this way. And I'll say this, if you can go with me, we as humans, we like this scripture. 
Because I, the Lord, will speak to them in visions, and it's easy to look at it that way because then you can differentiate the man from the God. Because you could see, oh, he had a vision, so that's God speaking. Or he had a dream, and it came to pass, so that dream was of God. It's easy to see that, but now God begins to speak in the next verse. He says, but with Moses, it's not that way. That's not to say Moses never had a vision. We don't know. But it, but it was to say, listen, when Moses speaks, it ain't Moses speaking. It's me speaking through the lips of Moses. So in other words, he's saying it's a lot harder to differentiate between the man and the God. Because it's not just the words of Moses that's speaking out. I'm the one that's speaking through him. So, so how could you speak against him? Because you're, when you're speaking against him, you're speaking against me. Wow. So here we are, and God is speaking to a prophetess and a high priest who have seen the glory of God over and over and over again. And here they're in the awesome presence of God. And God himself is speaking to them and saying, listen, I know you like it this way. And you think because it's this way, you're just as good. But with Moses, I speak through him. In other words, he's the one with the message for this day. He's the one that I've given the word of God, that his word is my word. What I'm saying to this generation comes from Moses. Whatever you're speaking, whatever vision I'm giving you, that's complementary to what Moses has already said. It's complementary to what the messenger for the day is already speaking. My, they ought to have found a rest in the words of Moses. Because they, they, these weren't just, this wasn't Dathan and Korah. This wasn't Balaam and Balak. This was Aaron and Miriam. This was the brother and the sister of the messenger. This is the ones who ought to have known better. But here they were coming and saying, listen, we're just as holy as you. God speaks to us also without recognizing this was the man for the day. This was the man for the job. This is the one that God called. Hallelujah. I'm going to take this on a turn, and we're going to come back to that in a moment. But he says this, Brother Branham says in the Church Age book, he says, now we receive this rest or continuing Sabbath is at the invitation of Jesus. Actually, go with me to Hebrews. You got your fingers still in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. I'm jumping way, way, way ahead here. But we'll jump ahead and come straight back. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1 says, let us therefore fear Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Okay, let's jump back to chapter 3. Sorry, Brother Marco. The Lord's changing the way this is coming out, so bear with me. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. It says, for we are partakers, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Well, it is, well, it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. 
says, but with that, with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they, that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now we find that here he's talking about the children of Israel. There was only two out of all two million that entered in. Joshua and Caleb. Ones that took the message that was given to them by the messenger of the day and they stuck with it. It was Moses that gave them the word of the Lord. It was Moses that gave them the word. It was Moses that was the mouthpiece of God that spoke. Wherever your footsteps will go, wherever you trod, it's possession. It's your possession. And I give you the land and all these things. It was Moses that spoke these words. But two of them took it by faith. And they entered into what now Paul by revelation is calling the rest. Back in that day, in a shadow and in a type, it was a promised land. It was crossing over the Jordan. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, which is to say when they got there, if they just kept their trust in God, they would not have to worry about anything. God was going to fight their battles, and he did. As long as they kept God first, as long as they honored him, as long as they worshiped him, as long as they kept the commandments, really, they were honored by God, and he fought their battles for them, and they could have rest. But now Paul takes up a revelation. He says they could not enter into the rest because of unbelief. Because of the unbelief that was in their heart. But now, Brother Brown says, now we receive this rest or continuing Sabbath is at the invitation of Jesus. To come into our rest, which is in Christ Jesus, it is by invitation. Amen. It's not something that you could just strive for and become. It's by invitation. So this by invitation of Jesus. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me." So in other words, it's not that the invitation is just a specific invitation, but the invitation is given out to all. That Jesus gives the invitation. It says, if you're heavy laden, if you're striving in your own works, just come to me. I will give you rest. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't try and work at it. Just come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and ye will find rest. Or keeping of the Sabbath, Brother Branham says, not a day, but eternal life Sabbath unto your souls. Now, I want you to see that for a moment. It's not that it's an eternal life rest unto your body or unto your mind, unto your soul. He goes right down. He says, when you've accepted that invitation, it's a rest in your soul that you no longer bear the burden of sin. You don't bear the load that you reckon, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, all of these things. And the striving back and forth, searching for satisfaction, the rest is in that, that you know you're saved. You know that you're sealed to the day of your redemption. Praise be to God, you can no more die than God can die. Why, what a rest we ought to find in that. Oh my. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2.
Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, once again, a very familiar scripture to us all. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, it says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, why is he using that word mind? He's using mind as in spirit, your spirit. You could be, have a renewed spirit. He says, but you may be of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, I need to just stop here. Because here he begins to, 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 to speak about the mind of being equal with God and all of these things, how he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, and, and last, last week we took and we ended on a scripture of Isaiah chapter 58. And how you ought to pray. And, and when you pray, you don't pray lifting yourself up or pushing others down. But rather that you look on the things of others. And esteem them greater. That even in your prayer, that in your spirit, you would enter into a prayer for others. So you would recognize that they would be lifted up. That they would be exalted. That they would be taken care of. Now let me say this, and then once the seed, once the seed, the predestinated seeding of God that's in your soul is at rest, it, then, then it's not, the mind is not for us to obey, but rather it is simply a humble surrender. It is not that you sit there and beat yourself up because you, you still got bad thoughts, you still got something in your spirit that's bothering you. No, but it's a humble surrender. Moses was a meek man. To be meek is to surrender yourself to the will of God. That's what the meekness that Moses had was. That he was willing to surrender himself no matter the complaint. Because even when he was called, he complained. He said, oh, but I, I can't speak very well. And I'm this and I'm that. Send someone else. What about this? But God says, no, Moses, I'm sending you. And God still looked at that and put his own hand and write, you're the meekest man. God remembers that we're dust. He knows that Elijah was like a man like, like passions like we are. He knows these things that we complain, we have stumbles, we, we, we fall, we fall flat on our face sometimes, but we get back up again. And in the end... It's a humble surrender. But he says in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. This is Christ now. Made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Now Paul is actually taking quite, quite a lot here. Brother Mark, if you actually just want to put that. That's that, that slideshow up there from where we wanted to start. It's the same slideshow I used a couple weeks ago, but I think it'll help illustrate this because in this scripture, go to number six, brother. Is that number six? That's number six. Okay. It's not number six on my computer, that is. 
<laughs> there we go. So now, as, as, as Paul begins to speak in this scripture, keep your Bibles open because we refer back to it, where he begins to speak about things. He says, fulfill you my joy. He says that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let, let nothing be done for strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. So he's speaking now. He's, he's speaking in the spirit realm. Let it be done not through strife and vainglory. Don't let the filter that's there be a filter of strife to say, how can this benefit me? How can I get better than my brother or my sister? He says, don't let it be done that way. Don't let it be done for your own glory. Don't let the word of God live through you for your glory. Because you turn the grace into lasciviousness. But now, he says, let nothing be done that way, but esteem others. He says, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, he's speaking, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Because the very next verse, he takes it and he says, who being in the form of God. Thought in our robbery to be equal with God. Now it wasn't that in the spirit of a man you can be equal with God. But rather in the soul. Rather right here where the Holy Spirit has quickened a predestinated seed. And now it's not your life. It's Zoe, Brother Brennan says, that's God's own life. That's why it's equal with God because it's not you, it's God himself. Jesus, who thought in not robbery to be equal with God, but he says, let the mind then that was in Christ. Don't just stop there and say, well, I've got the new birth, but don't stop there. Say, let the mind, let the memory, let the imagination, let the reasoning, let all of those things become subject to the word. How did Jesus do it? He made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Now listen, what is the servant? A servant is one who looks on the affairs of others. A servant isn't one that's looking after himself. He's waiting for the master. He's looking for the master for the affairs of the other. Amen. Now, even in that, let's go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's good. We'll leave that up there. That's a thought-provoking image. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifesting the, of the manifestation, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to, uh, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That is not you that commend yourself, but rather it's the works that you do that commend you in the sight of God. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
Catch these statements for a moment. If the gospel be hid, it's not hid to the saved. The seventh seal is not a secret to the bride. It's a secret to those that are lost. If the gospel is hid to those that are lost. I don't know how many times I've had someone come to me and say, the Bible just talks about do good unto others as you would have done unto you. So just be a nice person, you'll get to heaven. To them, it's hidden. They're completely missing what the message for the day is trying to say. But it says, in whom the God of this world, who's that? Satan. Small g, the God of this world, hath blinded their minds. Now you're starting to understand the picture that's up there. He's blinded their minds. To them which believe not, he said, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined it in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh my. Now, back to this image we have that now you see, so this is an individual that has had the Holy Spirit in their soul. In other words, this, the predestinacy that's within you has been quickened. But this now, even in the mind, there still comes thoughts that are anti-Christ. This isn't that you are uh, thinking these thoughts, but it's that these thoughts come to you. Okay, that Satan wants to put thoughts in your mind because anything that's against the word is antichrist. Okay, so don't let that stumble you, but rather he puts thoughts in your mind that are antichrist, even though in the soul you're sealed to the day of your redemption. You're not lost. There's no, you're not going anywhere. God's touched you. God's come down. It's God himself living within you. But there could still be thoughts that enter into your mind that you must cast down. But the Bible says when this happens, when the divine love, the faith in your heart, the Holy Spirit, you have a new birth, that's the beginning. And if it was easy where God just then took you and pulled you through a pipe, there would be no reward. But he says, that's the beginning of your trials, and we ought to count our trials more precious than gold. I've just listened to a message on the way here where he says, we ought to even thank God for our temptations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But how do those temptations come? By an antichrist thought. Be put into your mind to tempt you to do something against the nature that's within you. So here Paul, he's writing in this in Corinthians chapter 4. It's saying that our gospel, it's not hid. But Satan wants to cloud the mind. He wants to darken the mind. He wants to blind the minds of the individual so to them that are lost, I could back this up to where it's, it's the first birth, but to them that are lost, them that don't have the predestinated seed, God allows Satan. Yes, because he's just a tool in the hand of God. God allows Satan to blind their minds so that way when the Holy Spirit comes across their path, there's nothing there to receive it and it's blocked out. 
But there has to be darkness. Hallelujah. There has to be darkness because the darker the night, the brighter the light. If you shine a light in daytime, it doesn't seem to make a difference. But if you go into a dark place and you shine the same light, now you see the light. That's how the light is made manifest is by the darkness. So that he allowed Satan to cloud the minds of the individual. So that that way in their spirit they would be so deluded that they think they would make a difference by setting a police station on fire. Their minds are clouded. But he says, but God, who commanded the light to shine, out of darkness has shined it in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want to just say something here. If the two million would have died in battle and only Joshua and Caleb would have survived, we would have just said, what's the odds? Because the other two men, they just got wiped out and just Joshua and Caleb survived. I mean, that's a pretty amazing battle. It must have been a hard battle. But it wasn't that they died in battle. It was that they stayed there in the wilderness. And it was by the sovereign hand of God that he said, in his wrath, he said, I will not allow you to go into your rest. I will not allow you to cross over. There's only two that will cross over. God made sure that there was enough darkness to make that light very bright. It wasn't by happen chance. Nothing happens without a purpose. But these thoughts can bring back all these other things that can begin to cloud your mind. I wanted to, I want to preach a message one time on the reverse osmosis of the message. Or the reverse, reverse osmosis of the gospel. Reverse osmosis is pushing water through a semi-permeable membrane. In other words, it's a membrane that only allows certain uh, molecules through. It's not an atomic level, it's a molecular level. It allows those to be pushed through, but other ones just go down in the waste. How is it done? It's done by pressure. It's a pushing, it's a pressure, but in that there's a certain elected amount that goes through. And the rest of it can't see it, they just drop down. But there's another reverse osmosis, and that's in your spirit. There's a filter in your spirit that if it gets plugged up pretty soon, there, there's, there's such a clouding of the mind, there's such a darkening of the mind that the Holy Spirit comes and it hits and you harden your heart. It won't allow anything through. So in these things, I'll say it this way, even a Holy Ghost-filled believer can still have worry. They didn't come from God but they could still do that because your spirit is not redeemed. It's renewed every time you get a refilling. But you don't get a refilling in your soul because the soul is sealed to the day of redemption. It knows where it is. It's born of God. It can no more die. But it needs to push out. Now there's a pressure going the other direction. You get the pressure going through the membrane of things coming in, but there's got to be pressure coming back out. 
How's the pressure? When you get reading, when you get praying, when you get something in your soul that you just can't help it, it starts to push and it starts to push and it starts to push out to you can't, you're just trying to close your lips as hard as you can, but you can't close it. It just starts, oh, you don't know what God did for me the other day. I was reading in the scripture and this happened. I was reading that. What is it? It's something down in you that's a pressure, the opposite direction, that now is pushing and pushing against all of the thoughts of the devil that he wants to put in there when you get around all your buddies and the the devil wants to put thoughts in your mind. Talk about the news. Talk about this. Talk about that. Put something in you. says, but what what about about Jesus? Reverse osmosis. Amen. Sorry, I'm a plumber. I get excited about that stuff. Praise be to God. Hold on a second. Let me go back there. One more time. Maybe you didn't catch it. Hold on. Let me one more time. Maybe you didn't catch that. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? God said to Aaron and Miriam, I don't talk to Moses this way. It's not just a coming out, going in. It's an I ain't going out. I'm talking to Moses in a different way. He's been made a part of the atonement that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's a whole other subject. Wow. Better get off of that one. But Moses was one that God said, I speak mouth to mouth. When his lips are moving, it's my lips moving. I speak the words, he says them out into this dimension. Oh my. As Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, we won't turn to it, I'll just drop another example here. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted of the devil. After he was gone 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness, afterwards he hungered. There's a real fast. Not well, afterwards he hungered and thirsted, and he went and he, or he hungered, and he went and he was looking for something, and Satan came to him and began to tempt him. I'm going to say, if thou be the son of God, turn these breads into stone, or these stones into bread. There we go, that's better. And uh, if you're really hungry, just do this. It was a temptation. Jesus didn't get up and say, don't you know who I am? I've got the life of God in me. I've got Zoe in me. I can no more die than God can die. I'm a son of God. Don't you know who I am? I could do anything I want. Satan, get behind me. No, he said, it is written. In other words, he made himself of no reputation. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't get all lifted up in his own spirit. He knew who he was, but he just got himself so humble till he humbled himself to the will of God in his life. It is written of me. Hallelujah. Oh, Satan might put thoughts in your mind, but you could go back to him and not say, don't you know who I am? But you could say, it is written. You would deceive me if it was possible, but it ain't possible. Praise be to God. You can say these things happen by happy chance, but it is written, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. You can put any kind of sickness over me, but it is written, by his stripes I am already healed. See, it's not you, it's not me, it's not us getting proud and boastful. It's a surrendering to the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A refilling. Hallelujah. 
You can take that off, brother. If you go back to Philippians with me, Philippians chapter 2 was where we were at. We'll pick it up there again. But he says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. If you go with me over to Romans chapter 8, I know I've got you turning a lot of scripture, maybe not something you're used to for a Sunday night, but maybe something you are used to because I preach a lot of Sunday nights. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. It almost seems like a contradictory statement, like a paradox. If the body is dead because of sin, but I thought the body strived in unbelief, strived in sin, as when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I said the body is dead because of sin. In other words, the body is dead because there is no more unbelief in you. So in other words, there is no more life for the body to dwell in. But the spirit is life because of righteousness, because it's God's life in you now. In the next verse it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he, hath, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Well, that's exactly what I just showed in the slide. The Spirit that's in your heart pushing out. It doesn't say he'll also quicken your mortal bodies by a lightning bolt. Or by an outward manifestation, but by the spirit that dwells in you already, I will push out until it puts on immortality. The fullness of redemption, the changing of these mortal bodies. So therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds, mortify, put to death the deeds of the flesh, then you shall live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. Praise be to God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry. Something, a cry is something that pushes out from an individual. It's not a whisper. Have a it's a crying out, Abba, Father, or in English, Father, Father. It's a crying out. It's something in you that's boiling out that is reverse osmosis through your spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now stop there for a moment. That the spirit itself bears witness. The spirit that's in you bears witness by you allowing the mind of Christ to be in you. By a surrenderance to the spirit that's in you, it changes your spirit, renews your spirit, so that you too can bear record of what the life that is in you. Next verse, Brother Mark. It says, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with the one who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You've been made joint heirs with Christ. For so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter, Brother Branham would say, how long you've been laboring under your load of sin. Whether it's been 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, or longer. Come with your tired, weary life, and you will find rest. The true Sabbath. Jesus will give you rest. Now, he takes it in the Sardisian church age where he takes Hebrew, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 4. Right down on the bottom says, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. That sounds like quite a statement. They are worthy. But Brother Brown would take that and say, Do you realize who is saying this? It's Jesus, the worthy one himself. This is the only one is counted worthy to take the book and to hand it, to take the book out of him who sits upon the throne. And now this worthy one is saying to his saints, you are worthy. Here is the one, the only one that's qualified to judge and indeed all judgment is committed to him. As he says, you are worthy. These words are as astounding as the words in Revelation Romans 8 verse 33 where it says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. God says, I am righteous, in other words. Praise be to God. It's not a man or a preacher that says you're righteous. It's not coming up to an altar shaking a hand. It's not because you're in a message church. It's not because you read the message, said amen. But it's God. It's God himself that said, you're worthy to walk with me and why? You're worthy to sit on my throne. You're worthy to be counted equal with the one who sits on the throne. Oh, what a rest. The devil, you do what you can do. You go right on ahead. You're a good accuser of the brethren. You're a good adversary. I'll give you that one. But I have a rest. Oh, praise be to God. He says they're worthy. There in the white light of God's righteousness, you hear that sweet voice of Jesus, the invitation that says, These are mine. They are righteous, they are worthy. They shall walk with me in white. Oh, praise be to God. Now exactly what is that rest that Jesus will give? Oh, praise be to God. Are you still with me? We've still got time. Praise be to God. He says, now exactly what is that rest that Jesus give? Isaiah chapter 28, verse 8. Sorry, I didn't give you that, brother, but you can go ahead and put that up there. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 8. It says, for all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. That sounds a lot like today. The tables are full of vomit. There ain't no clean place. I just went out fishing yesterday. I want to take my boys out fishing, so I ain't got me a fishing license. I went out fishing, thought I'd go to a small lake called Star Lake. There ain't no place clean. This went down there, it's busy, full of women that are going to have to answer for a few things one day if they don't give their hearts to the Lord. But there's no place clean, says, whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. 
For precepts must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, for with stammering lips and other tongue will I speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest, the Sabbath, wherewith they may, ye may cause the weary to rest. For this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Here it is. Prophesied right here in Isaiah. It would come to pass around 700 years later at Pentecost. When they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, exactly as it was said, they would be. This is the true Sabbath that was promised. Thus, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they ceased from their worldly works, their worldly doings, their evil ways. The Holy Ghost took charge of their life. They entered into rest. There is your rest. This, that is your Sabbath. It's not a day, not a year, but an eternity of being filled and blessed in the Holy Spirit. It's you ceasing and God doing. It's God, it is God in you willing to do, willing and doing of his own good pleasure. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we're saying this is the real rest. It's not in keeping a day as it was in type. In the Old Testament, they said, keep the seventh day, keep it holy. We even provided manna for them, and they were in the wilderness. So that way, on the seventh day, they wouldn't have to go out and do any servile work they're in. But they could keep the Sabbath. They could have a rest day in that day. And six days they worked, the seventh day rest, just like God when he created the earth. Six days he created it, and the seventh day he rested from his work. And all these things, all those things were typed for what? That there was an entering into another day. There was an entering in of to, to another day, which was entering into the body of Jesus Christ, that he would give you rest in your soul. Hallelujah. It's like it's not just for a day, not just a year, but an eternity. In other words, there's no beginning. See, but how do you enter into something that doesn't have a beginning? There's no ending. It's hard to fathom sometimes, isn't it? Have I entered into something that I began to rest at that point? No, you just stepped from this dimension back into the dimension that you were already meant to live in. Because it's a rest in your soul and your soul takes on an eternal value. Oh, hallelujah. So there you are. No matter how many sensations of sanctification... It's a sensation. Sensations of being filled with the Holy Ghost. But now, when you get so full of it that you can't do nothing else, he gives you another language then. He just fills you up. He takes the Holy Spirit. He, says, he gives you another language. Does that mean we should all go speak in tongues? No. That's a gift of the Spirit. But not all have that gift speaking in tongues but rather he gives you another language in other words you go ahead and give this bible to someone who's not born again and then you begin to explain to them the revelation that god's given you to them it's completely greek it's completely another language where they're looking at it and saying, I can't see that. I don't see that anymore. How can these things be possible? Like Brother Brandon, when he was there, um, he was at a minister's conference one time, and then he was talking to them, and they were trying to, to, to say, you know, there's a couple things we just don't understand. I believe it was over in Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. 
But he began to explain to them about, you know, and, and he began to explain to them, no, this is the angel of the Lord stands beside me. And all these things and how the, how the supernatural gifts works and how it's, uh, and, then, and then right there, he just stands up. And they asked him, they said, do you mind if we take pictures of you? Could you let us know when the angel of the Lord is in the room and we'd like to take a picture of him? And he said, sure, you'll know when he's in the room. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to imagine the tone of voice he said with that. <laughs> you'll know. And they got it all set up in the room. And they got the camera all set up, and right then, the angel of the Lord come down. And as, as, as he began, because they were kind of having some questions about the discernment, you know, is it mental telepathy, is it this, is it that, are they writing on the prayer cards or something? And right there, as Brother Brennan's standing up talking, he begins to look across the table at a man that's sitting there and begins to discern exactly what's wrong with him, why he hasn't touched his supper, why everything's going on. He's got stomach problems, he's got this going on, he's got that's going on. And he says, it's over now, eat your supper. He said, that man attacked that like a hungry, starving dog. He hadn't touched his, his breakfast the whole time, but then all of a sudden when, I, when he pronounced he was healed, and in that moment they took pictures. And here's the point is afterwards they developed the pictures. He brought, I believe it was Brother Minor Argenbright that was there, and they brought it to him, and Brother Minor said, oh man, they got to believe it now. And Brother Branham says, no. If they ain't predestinated to see it, they ain't going to see it. You could literally show them a picture, and the pictures are there in the, in, the, in the supernatural series where the pictures are, and it's literally coming right down. And he says, the moment when I'm in a vision, you can see the light is completely around his head. You can't see Brother Branham's head. And then as the vision leaves him, it goes over his right shoulder. Exactly as he describes it. And he says, but if they ain't predestinated, they'll mess it all together. That won't help them one bit. It's an invitation. The invitation goes to all. John 3.16. The invitation goes to all, but the call is personal. You didn't come unless the Father drew you. He called you so you couldn't help it. Nobody else could see it or hear. Let me just touch on this and we'll close on this, Lord willing. Moses, when he was in the wilderness, he turned aside to see the burning bush and hear the voice. God was speaking to one man. God was visible to one man. Brother Branham says in Christ, has revealed his own word. He says that's the way Moses was. He was so in the spirit, passed out of the dimension that he was living in, that he stood there face to face in the burning bush talking to God himself. Catch that for a moment. Here's Moses. He sees a burning bush. Nobody else saw it. He was so in the spirit. God was revealing it to one man. And here to everybody else, they were possibly looking at him saying, that man is crazy. He's on the side of the road smelling the roses. Sorry, no, that's not what it was. That was Brother Ed the other day. But rather, that man's crazy. He's out there talking to a burning bush. He's out there talking to a burning bush, and, and to them it wasn't even burning. Because as he was so passed out in the spirit, he was in another dimension talking to God and himself. Amen. He said, I, I'm not so sure about that. Okay, let's take a quote. Brother Brown says, now think about the three wise men. In the daytime, probably they'd lay down and rest. The three magis who saw the star. 
They'd sleep, turn over, talk to one another, think, oh my, I must be wonderful when we get there. This heavenly beam, this heavenly light, this light we see, this supernatural, amen. You think I'm beside myself. I'm not. Notice this heavenly beam, this light that we're watching. Now remember, Brother Brown says, nobody else saw it. There was three men. He says they crossed over observatory after observatory, magi after magi. It crossed over all of them. No one saw it. They're all gazing up in the stars, missing what's going on. But there was three of them that were predestinated by God to see it. They saw it. Everybody else is, what are you talking about? Where are you guys going? Where are you guys going? We're following a star. What star? Why are you guys wearing skirts, long hair? Why are you guys believing, not cursing? Why are you guys doing this? Why are you guys making yourself ready for a rapture? Why is it so important to you to be in the house of God? We're following a message. We're following Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ? What message? Nobody, let's take it a step further, nobody saw the light that Paul saw. The same thing, it struck him down on the road to Damascus. Paul was not on his way alone. It was him and a group of men, and it struck Paul right off his horse. And nobody else even saw it. The power to strike a man right off his own horse, that it blinded him, and he fell backwards, and he's blind, and he's struggling. Lord, who art thou? And they're all standing there like, what's going on, Paul? You really lost it this time, buddy. I mean, I know you're a religious man and you're, you're really, you know, you're really passionate about what you're doing, but this is taking it a bit far now. We're in the middle of the desert and you're crying out about something. And now you're telling me you can't see anything? What happened? You get some dust in your eyes? Let's blink it out. Here, let's flush your eyes out. He says, no, no, that ain't it. I saw something you all didn't see. I'm just trying to nail down the rest a little bit here. Nobody saw the Holy Ghost coming like a light out of heaven, a dove but John. There was groups of people there. There was crowds. There was even men that became disciples. Two of them. There was even Pharisees there perhaps. But nobody else saw it come down. They just heard John say, behold the Lamb of God. To some, there was a, there, to, to John, he heard the voice. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. But to the, for many, it was just thundered. They're like, John, man, I mean, he really went crazy this time. I mean, he said a lot of crazy things. Vipers, snakes in the grass, the axes laid to the root of the tree. He preached all these things. And I, I think he's going a little crazy this time because now all of a sudden he's saying, behold the Lamb of God. And then now he, he's saying, this is the man, follow him. What's John talking about? But he saw something that nobody else saw. And Jesus just up and walked out of there and two of them listened to the message for their day. Oh my. Why is it always two? Joshua and Caleb. The two disciples there. Sorry, I forget their names. You can call it out if you remember it. The two disciples that followed him. And they came up after Jesus. Why? Because they heard the message of John. The message of that was the last message that John had. And they got it. <laughs> there wasn't going to be another coming of, of John the Baptist. 
My goodness. You all know where I'm going now. There's been a lot of people come and say, Brother Branham, I don't know what he preached the last three years of his ministry. He kind of went a little crazy. He started to say some things. He started to preach some things that just didn't make a lot of sense. But there's a people, a predestinated word bride, that caught what he was saying and listened to the last message he speech. I'm not talking about communion. I'm talking about the third Paul. Hallelujah. There was a lot of people that said, oh, the first pull's great. It drew all the little fishes in. Praise God. A lot of people said the second pull, that's great to the sermon of the Spirit. That scared the little fishes away. Hallelujah. Oh, but then when the third pull came, it was meant to catch the big fish. You put your name there. Hallelujah. You are worthy. If nobody else care what the world says, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You are worthy. You're the big fish that he was fishing for. Hallelujah. That you can walk into a room. You've been in a place alone with Christ. It's become personal to you that you've been there and you say, I don't know what happened, but it's real and I'm free. You know what I'm referring to? The vision of the third pole where they went into a room and when they came back out, the other lady asked and said, what happened there? I don't know, but I'm healed. Oh, hallelujah. You can say, what happened the word? Explain it to me. I don't know, but I believe it and it's real. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because God spoke to one man. And it wasn't just a man having visions and seeing dreams and having all kinds of things. But when he spoke under the anointing, it wasn't him. It was God speaking. Oh, my. Like I said at the beginning, we like the visions because that's easier to differentiate. Oh, that was God and that was William Branham. But when he got under the anointing, when he started preaching and there was an anointing there, it wasn't him anymore. Oh, praise be to God. We got a message that we don't want to speak against. We don't want to rise up and say, well, listen, you're not the only holy one. God said, I'm worthy. So I'm the big fish. I'm somebody. Uh huh. Is the house greater than the builder? All things were built of God. That's where we started. Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house we are. If we do what? If we hold fast the confidence. What confidence? The faith in the word of God. Hold fast to the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. And I thank God it's not a struggle. Holding fast to that is the most restful thing you've ever done. You don't have to hold it in, in, in trembling and fear. And, oh, God, if I lose this, that's it, I'm lost. No, but there's a rest of you because you know I'm sealed to the day of my redemption. I cannot be lost. Praise be to God. Once he's taken that fish, he's reeled that big fish in. He doesn't throw it back in the water. This ain't no catch and release God's program. Hallelujah. This is a catch and keep it. Hallelujah. And it ain't a fish story either. When the fish came out of the water, it was only this big, but it's grown since then. And that ain't a lie. That ain't a fish story. That's because he got the new birth and he stayed in the word of God and he kept growing in Christ Jesus. Oh, praise be to God. Let's stand to our feet. We'll stop there tonight.
Oh, I got so much to thank you for, don't you? That ain't even the song I want to sing. I want to sing one of my favorites. When I was in need, I called on the Lord. He heard me. He healed me. He's my companion. He's my best friend. He's the only true God. He's faithful right to the end. He's tremendous. He reached out in the fire. He reached out in the darkest, most miserable place and turned the light on. Oh, praise be to God. There's a man here, if you don't got a light on your soul, who can turn on the light. And when that light shines in darkness, I'm in the darkest, deepest pit. Praise the Lord. The light will be even brighter. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. Go ahead, Brother Martin. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. And he hears me. Yes, helps me. He is faithful and true. Forget his own companion, my best friend, the only true God. So I'm greater, a wonderful Savior, Jesus, the light of Judah. Our God, our God is tremendous, His strength never faileth. He goes through the fire just the same, just the same a sinner like me. He is almighty. I'm not worthy, no, but He said, "You're worthy." Love story. 